stand up. Going to have a full class today. <laughs> Praise the Lord for it, too. <laughs> That'll teach you. Y'all didn't hear that, did you? Amen. Good to see everybody. I'm thankful that you're here. I'm thankful that, um, that God's word is a living word. Amen. You know why they call it a living word? Because it lives in you, it lives in me, and it manifests, manifests the will of God through our lives. And I'm thankful for that. Well, as you know, since the very beginning of this year, uh, I've been preaching and I pray that you've been learning how a person who claims Jesus as their Savior and Lord becomes, say becomes, becomes a disciple. It is absolutely imperative that you not be misled in this one issue. And this one issue is this. You cannot be misled into thinking that you have been saved to keep your pew warm. Amen? You have not been saved to sit in that seat. You've been saved for a far greater reason. You have been saved to serve the Lord. Think about this. The reason that God didn't take you on to heaven when you placed your faith in Christ is because he wanted you to become a disciple of Christ. He wanted you to be about his business. Now, a very large part of becoming a disciple is the making of disciples. So if we're not making disciples, then guess what? We're failing as disciples. Did you hear that, church? I didn't like to hear it any more than you did. If we're not making disciples, that means we're failing as disciples. And perhaps the greatest reason for our failure, as I look in the mirror at myself, is this constant temptation to be self-centered. I actually heard about an article on the internet that was entitled, Nine Ways to get your way more often. Nine ways to get your way more often. Now, what is all that about? What is all that about? I mean, it's teaching people to be self-centered. I know that self-centeredness is the way of the world. I know that self-centeredness is the way that most people think. It's the way that most people live. But it should not be for the disciple of Christ. We should not be self-centered. Jesus did not live for self. He lived for others. His whole life revolved around ministering and helping his followers therefore are called to imitate him in Matthew 20 28 Jesus said of himself the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a 
and give his life a ransom for many. I want us to start thinking a little bit more like Jesus. Amen? We need to start thinking a little bit more like Christ. Thinking of others. Thinking a little bit less of ourselves. Thinking more about reaching out and ministering to other people because I happen to think that we have something great to offer them. We have something great to offer them. The good news of Jesus Christ is great because just think about this. If others come to believe that Jesus is their Savior, as the Bible says, if they come to believe and trust in him, if they come to the place where they can surrender their lives to Jesus, then guess what? Someday, they're going to get to go to heaven. Is that great? That is great, great news. Psalm 126 gives us some great insights into what it takes to make disciples. Read with me in Psalm 126. Listen to what the word says. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. And they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Indeed, the Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. And listen to this. Those who sow in tears shall reap. Enjoy. Who continually, he who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing sheaves with him. As I was reading that psalm, a word jumped out at me twice. That word, captivity. You know, that's how the Lord Jesus described lost sinners, as captives, people who were captive uh, by this world. And I recalled in Luke chapter, um, Luke chapter 4, just after the Lord's temptations in the wilderness, Jesus was teaching his very first message. He had gone to the synagogue over in Nazareth, and here's the first message that he preached, and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to re the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then Jesus closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all the people who were in the synagogue were upon him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Friends, we need to know what it takes to make disciples. The second half of this year is going to be all about how you and I can effectively make disciples. So let's see what this psalm can teach us. 
about how we make disciples. The first thing that I see is there's got to be a going, a going of the disciple. Now, my brother Eric has two uh, stuffed largemouth bass hanging on his man cave wall down in South Georgia. One is an eight-pounder from the Flint River. The other one is an 11-pounder from Crystal Lake. And I always make a habit of asking him, now what store did you buy those from? <laughs> Amen. Uh, anyway, he takes a little bit of uh, partiality to that. And he's always quick to tell me, get this, that he went and he caught them. He went to the lake, he went to the river, and he caught them. He went after them, he caught them. They did not come to him. It's the same thing with people, friends. It's the same with people that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Most often, people are not going to come to us. We have to go get them. They're not going to be walking in this door. Verse 6 says, he who continually goes. See, the going is the starting block for making disciples. We've got to get up out of these pews and we've got to go. We've got to get out there amongst the lost. We've got to get out there and seek the lost. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. But did you notice there had to be a little seeking before there was some saving? Same thing with us. You gotta go out there and seek them first. You gotta go find them first. You gotta go and seek the lost. Preacher John Wesley said, the church must go to the lost or become extinct. He said, any church which is satisfied to hold her own is on their way to the cemetery. In other words, if we don't go, then we're goners. Amen? If we don't seek them, we're going to be history. If we want them coming down the aisle, then we've got to go down the street. They will not seek us. They must be sought. Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. So we've got to go as the first step of the making of any disciples of Christ. We've got to go in order to make disciples. And I believe that not only do we have to go, but we have to go and make some relationships with people. I am so adamant about this, that we just can't go, drop off a business card, drop off a bulletin, and then hit the pavement again. We've got to go and create relationships with our neighbors. We've got to go and create relationships within our community. Uh, think about this. Many of you have instant access into your neighbor's house. If you knock on the door, they're going to invite you right on in. Why? Well, over the years, you've created a relationship with your neighbor. They know you. They respect you. And they will welcome you into their home. I think that's one of the great successes of the Grow Outreach Ministry. That through cards and visits, through prayers and meals that we take, 
We are actually forming and creating relationships. That is the first step to making a disciple, to go and make a relationship. Our neighbors actually get to witness the person of Christ right there in their own living room. They get to witness the work of Christ. So if we are going to make disciples, what really is the basic formula for that? Well, think of this. First, you've got to start a relationship. They don't want to hear what you got to share until they know that you care. Amen? They want to know you care. They want a relationship with you. And I don't know about you, but I'd do anything for somebody I know. Maybe not so much for a stranger, amen? So we've got to go and start a relationship. Second step, simple equation, simple formula to making a disciple. You got to show them a little evidence of Christ. Think about this. You and I understand that we walk by faith and not by sight. But many of our neighbors are not there yet. They still walk by sight. They don't understand this whole walking by faith thing. So what do we got to do? We got to provide them with a little evidence. We got to let them see the person of Christ come to their living room. We've got to let them see some evidence. We got to give them a little bit of fruit. I've been preaching in the fruit of the Spirit for a half a year now. Got to show them a little of the love of God, a little of the joy of the Lord, a little peace of God, a little patience, a little goodness, a little faithfulness, a little gentleness, a little self-control of God. Show them a little fruit. Give them some evidence. But not only do we start a relationship, not only do we give them a little evidence of Christ, but thirdly, we got to share the truth. Share the truth of Christ. The Bible encourages all believers to always be able to give a reason that we have for our Christian hope. You need to be able to share the truth of Christ. That's our focus on the rest of the year is equipping you to be able to share the truth of Christ once you're in the living room of a neighbor. Start a relationship, show them a little evidence, and then share the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you like that basic formula? Amen? Well, like D.L. Moody said, I like my way of doing it better than your way of not doing it. Amen? So, if you don't like it, then maybe you ought to try it first. Amen? Try some of it. God put us here to seek the lost. He put us here to go after the lost and to tell them what the Lord Jesus Christ can do in their lives. I pray that you're willing to do that. Because if you don't, we're goners. If we don't seek the lost, we're going to be goners. Friends, if you want to see this church go or grow, we're going to have to go. If you want to see more lost people come to the, to the Lord Jesus, then you're going to have to get out there and hit the street with us. But you know, we can't have 10 or 20% of the church doing the evangelism of all the church. We all have to go. Say we all. We all have to go. Amen. If we're going to be successful in reaching the lost. See, lost sinners, uh, they're not commanded to come to church on Sunday. Did you know that? Lost sinners are not commanded to come here on Sunday. You are. But 
you know what? Even though they're not commanded to come here on Sunday, we're commanded to go to their house on Sunday. We're commanded to go to their house on Monday, Tuesday, and all the other days. So we're commanded to go to them. It is important that we know that there has to be a going of the disciples. Second quick step, there's also got to be the flowing of tears. Listen to what the psalm said in verse 6. He who continually goes forth weeping. One husband asked a wife, why do you always sniffle and cry over these soap operas and these imaginary stories of people you don't even know? And she said, for the very same reason you scream and yell when someone you don't know makes a touchdown. Have you seen any lately? Who's seen any, a hurting or helpless person lately? Raise your hand. Every one of us has. You ain't got to look far, amen. Do you have compassion on them? Did your heart break for them? Did you really look at them? Did you look on them with compassion? need help in one way or another. 
much help you'd be if you just prayed it. Maybe you don't have a lot that you can give them. But there's one thing that every one of you Jesus for people. we got to get up and go. Perhaps cause the tears to flow. But there's something else we also need to do. We need the seed to sow. There's the sowing of the seed. The Bible says there in Psalm 126, 6, he who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing. How many of you know that if a farmer doesn't sow, he don't get any crops. Pretty much common sense. Furthermore, if they don't sow a seed, guess what else they don't do? They don't eat. Their family don't eat. So if they don't sow a seed, they ain't eating. Likewise, if we expect to reap a harvest of souls, we'd better sow some seed. You know what? I'll bet you you'd sow some seed if your next meal depended on it. What if you knew you couldn't eat lunch until you sowed some gospel seed into a lost person's life? Man, I would be leaving here before I was done preaching to make sure you got to eat lunch, amen? Think about it. So in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, the early believers were scattered, but listen to what they did. They preached the word wherever they went. As the people, as the believers went out, uh, guess what they did? They preached the word. They shared the good news. Wherever they went, they shared the good news. We should too. Wherever we go, we ought to be sharing the good news. Wherever we go, whether you're going to work, Walmart, Kmart, Foodland, Pizza Hut, Ryan's Buffet, the mall, I don't care where you're going. If you're going fishing on a lake, hunting in a tree, it don't matter. Wherever you're going, you ought to be sowing gospel seed. We should always be talking about Jesus. We should always be telling others about the Lord and the hope that we have in him. 
We should always be dropping off these tracks. These little tracks that show somebody how they can come to faith in Christ and have heaven as their eternal home. Why not leave one of those with your waitress? Why not leave one of these with the Walmart clerk? Why not leave a couple of these hanging around at the gym? Why not leave a couple of these with your, with your Kmart stock boy? We ought to have a pocket full of these. We ought to be leaving these all over the place. Sowing gospel seed. You're going to have your opportunity because Miss Kathy's going to make sure that you have some on the way out. But you're going to have some gospel seed that you can sow into a lost person's life. Pastor Bob Russell wrote an article entitled, Share Your Faith. Share your faith. And he said, some people say, well, I'm not really that vocal about my faith. Um, I just let my light shine before men, and I, I win them through my lifestyle, which speaks for itself. That's a good thing. The only problem with that good thing, while it sounds good and it doesn't offend anybody, it rarely works. When was the last time somebody came up to you and said, man, oh man, I've been watching you, partner. I've been watching you live that Christian life. I've been watching you. And I want some of that. Tell me how I can go to Jesus, go saved by Jesus. When was the last time that happened? Anybody happened to hit anybody here? No, it don't happen that way. We have to speak the word. Russell said, it sounds good. It don't offend anybody, but it don't happen. He wasn't putting down a good, faithful life lived for Christ. We, we all ought to do that. He's just saying that, that people become Christians by hearing the good news. The Bible says that, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It comes by hearing the message, that good news gospel message. And I'm going to tell you that uh, you need to live the faith, but you also need to be witnessing the truth. You need to be sowing some gospel seed. In addition to your going, in addition to the let the tears flow, you need to be making sure you sow. Sow some gospel seed. Could it be that there are some people that are just waiting for you to sow a seed? Could it be that there are people out there craving the good news because they want to go to heaven too? I believe that many people are out there waiting. They're waiting for us to be obedient to what God has called us to do. The gospel seed, it has the power to penetrate the hearts and minds and kick sin right out of their life. It has the power to do that if we'll sow the seed. If we'll sow the seed. But it ain't going to work unless we spread it around. What good is a seed if you keep it in your pocket? What good is the seed doing a farmer if he doesn't plant it? Zero good. Making disciples of Christ requires the going of a disciple. It requires the flowing of tears. It requires the sowing of a seed. And if all these things are true, then there will be a showing of the heart. 
He who goes forth continually weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. That's the sowing of the harvest. If we go and go with compassionate hearts, and we sow and sow the gospel seed, then God's promise is that he will show and show an eternal harvest of souls. It's a pretty simple equation. One church sent an annual uh, state report to the Baptist headquarters. A list of statistics, if you will, and here's what they reported. Number of members added by baptism, zero. Number of members added by letter, zero. Number of members dismissed by letter, five. Number of members who have died, three. No, amount of money raised for home missions, zero. Amount of money raised for foreign missions, zero. And at the bottom of that report, they wrote, pray for us, brethren, that we continue to be faithful to the end. Faithful to the end? They hadn't been faithful to begin with. They experienced no growth. They showed no harvest because they had no faith. They had no faith to go. They had no faith to let the tears flow. They had no faith to sow the seed. And so they were showing no harvest. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray. Pray the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. There's a lot of lost people out there. The harvest is plentiful. But isn't it sad that only 20% of the church works to get the gospel seed to those lost people? You know why? Because they really just don't have compassion for those people. They know what the alternative is. They know if they're not going to heaven, they're going to. If they're not going to heaven, they're going to. So what are we doing about it? We all know it. But again, that problem with self-centeredness, that temptation for constant self-centeredness is our biggest problem. The harvest is plentiful, and friends, you ain't got to go far, because it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's within your own family. It's right down your own street. Lost people are everywhere. So we have to be faithful. Faithful in the going. Faithful in the sowing. God will be faithful in the showing. You know, as we get older... Our vision should improve. Not our physical vision, because mine is pitiful. <laughs> my physical vision is not good, but let me tell you something about my faith vision. My faith vision is growing. I'm beginning to see more and more of the lost people right here in our own community. And my faith vision leads me to do something about it. How about yours? 
Time slips. Days pass. Years fade. And life ends. I told my dad, Dad, I just turned 50 years old. And I can't believe where the time went. He's 74. And he said, you ain't seen nothing yet. Time ain't slowing down. It seems to be getting faster. So we got to do what we can do while there's still time. As much as I'd love to see y'all hang around for another six or seven decades, the chances of that happening are pretty slim. You need to do something while there's still time. You need to do something while there's still time. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He didn't mess around and neither should we. We should take this call personal and be willing to sow some gospel seed. And if we're willing to go, if we're willing to create those relationships, if we're willing to show a little evidence of Christ, if we're willing to begin to share the truth of the Lord, you know, if we're just willing to let some tears flow. Have a heart for crying out loud. Have a heart for the lost people that are dying and going where? Man. If you knew what lost people were facing without Christ, you'd cry. We're just willing to sow some seeds of hope. Sow some seed. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Sow some seeds. If this is all you did is make sure that everywhere you went, you left one of these behind. Somebody's going to get a hold of this and the word of God is going to enter into their lives, maybe for the first time. And look how little it is. Powerful seed. Not because it's got great art in it. Not because of the human words, but because it's got the word of God in it. And it shows and tells people how they can be saved. If you're willing to be a true disciple of Christ, then you'll do these things. And when you do, God will show a great harvest as his promise, not mine. But if you're not faithful to do it, hang it up. If we don't go, we're garnished. So, have you become a disciple of the Lord already? Already received all the glorious benefits of, uh, of a relationship with God and fellowship with God every day of your life? The promise of heaven? Have you already received that? Man, that's awesome. But if you haven't, Today, Jesus invites you. But Bill, I've already become a disciple. Perhaps not too faithful to one yet. Say yet. Perhaps not too faithful yet. I've accepted Christ as my own, and I know that I'm going to heaven when I'm done on this planet, and I know that Jesus is my master. But I want you to clearly understand something. If you're listening, say amen. amen. Clearly understand this. 
that not only to make a disciple must you first be a disciple, but to be a disciple, you've got to be about the business of making. You're not making them. Guess what? You ain't one. I didn't say it. God said it. You're not sowing seed. Sorry, Brandon, you're cutting the side. So are you ready? Ready to start an adventure of a lifetime? Being the instrument that God uses to draw people to Christ, you can do that today too. Just by your humble submission and yielding to his guidance and leadership. He just wants to use you. He didn't save you just to go to heaven, otherwise you'd be gone. Wouldn't none of you be here. Are you hearing that? Commit. 